Hey everyone, how are you doing? My name is Ricky Rigolato, the founder of Route the Service Platform. It's a sales platform for the commercial cleaning services industry. I am also the owner of Rosalato Services, a family-owned commercial cleaning company. So welcome to Cleaning and Cocktails, a show where I get the opportunity to sit down with cleaning industry experts and share stories, talk shop about the industry. So grab your cocktail, listen in, and I hope you guys enjoy the show. All right, guys, welcome to another episode of Cleaning and Cocktails, uh, post-COVID, in-person episode, as you can see with some of the guys wearing some masks. You know, me and Mark have our masks. Um, but first and foremost, welcome again, guys. Thank you. These are my Chicago guys. We call ourselves, what, the Four Horsemen? Right? Uh, so I, I, before we even get into everything, right, the, the episode that we're, we're going to touch on this whole time is going to be on numbers. Before we get into numbers, just tell me how it's been, guys. Right? So, so we'll start with you. How has been? How has the last three to four months been uh, with everything that's going on? Give us a little blue cleaning for the last couple months. And we'll take it from then go Mark, then go to uh, you know changes, pivoting, restructuring, um, kind of looking at our overall operations, uh, digging in deep into the numbers, which we'll talk about a little bit. Um, actually, building a stronger culture. Right? especially now because we don't see each other as often as we, should, as, as we did before. Um, so everything, just all, just all around, the entire process, just the entire culture, the entire uh, knowing your numbers now. I think uh, we talked about sometimes when you're doing so well that it hides some of those broken windows out there, right? Where you're building some money and when things are tight, like they are now, that comes to fruition, you start kind of pivoting and shifting trying to make those changes. But overall, it's it's been, obviously the pandemic is not something we wish uh, that happened, but on our end, it's really made us look a little deeper to our business. Yeah, I mean, it's put us, it's put the cleaning industry in the spotlight. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. Mark, what about you? Um, it, it's been a good three, four months. It's been stressful for sure. Uh, we, we've grown, you know, and, and it's not been without blood, sweat, and tears. Um, we're, we're figuring out new ways to disinfect accounts. Um, we brought on uh, four or five school districts and we just started them all up in July. So we're really dealing with the administrators and seeing a different angle of things and how they're trying to open for their students and they're working really hard and we're doing everything we can to staff up and help them as well. Nice, nice. Juan, what about you? You know, I think it's been so busy that as you hear these guys say the last three four months when in reality it's five months and counting so time is just flown by <laughs> five months huh? yeah, okay. I mean, so i think that just you know gives you an idea of how fast things have been moving right so i think things have just been moving tremendously fast for us and you know with that said i think a lot of times as business owners we try to be on top of everything and because things were happening so fast so many moving pieces all at once the nice thing for us is i was able to see that my staff and staff was able to just pick things up fast and just get things done because they couldn't wait around for my answers and so they became a lot more independent in the process and kind of just allowed me to start to kind of pull back even more right so obviously because of the pandemic I couldn't just pull back because it's so important um, but it allowed me to focus on learning new processes putting in new things in place and they were just you know taking care of everything so yeah it's uh, but honestly I Going back to the other episodes, it's the technology that we have from CRM and 
automation, everything that we have that has allowed us to do so much and catch up so fast. Yeah. I can't imagine that we would be able to do what we've done if we didn't have all those things already in place. Um, the other thing is I always try to operate with a little bit more slack. Um, and even going into this, I was already creating more slack for future growth. And so thank God we did because same thing, if I didn't have that slack, there's no way we would have been able to do this uh, the way we did. So. Yeah, I mean, it, it's times like this that it, you know, the, the books open up, you peel, you peel back the onions and the layers of your organization, right? Where, you always want to plan for growth, you always want to have additional staff because if you're having to catch up to the growth, you're in such a bad spot. Oh, terrible spot. So it's, it's, again, I want to dig deep into numbers, right? Because I, and, and the reason why I picked numbers as the topic today, you guys, is, you know, as I'm sure you see one in a lot of these Facebook groups, right? Is, you know, the small to medium-sized business owner, more predominantly the, the mom and pop and the small business, they, they're so quick to want to know how do you price this, how do you win this job, how do you get new business, right? Where if you don't know your numbers first, who cares about your business, right? Like you could win new business that could be detrimental to your business, to your company and your home, where not all new business is good business, right? So I wanted to dig deep on, on numbers itself because I feel like it's a big, big topic that, you know, as you, me and you were talking, so was, you almost feel super confident when you know, you know, your, your, your numbers is for your business. There is no one number for everybody, right? Everybody's different, everybody operates differently. So, first and foremost, like, let's talk about, at this moment, you guys could say you've started to realize what was a good vertical and a bad vertical of business that you were doing, right? So let's talk about restaurants, hospitality. If you had all your eggs in one basket with that, where do you, where do you, where do you how do you guys feel like you would be as a business owner right now? In, in trouble? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we've never done really restaurants at all, food service joints, anything like that, so I don't, I don't have a background in that at all. But even just, not just restaurants, but those verticals where you had all your eggs in that one basket, have you learned by this, you know, guys, to diversify your your clientele? Am I am I right? For us, yes. Um, I do have we do have restaurants, um, and uh, luckily for us, I would say the majority cost close to all of them return. Uh, not to the scale that we were before, but um, obviously these are connections and relationships we had for since we began you know, six seven years ago. Uh, but you're right. I mean, for us, it's really it's almost like good and bad, right? So you don't kind of want to stretch yourself out too much, doing too many projects or too many services. For us, we had to condense actually the amount of services we had too. So for us to really scale, we're focusing on, uh, on certain areas that we know we're good at. Um, like they say, you don't want to drown into all the opportunities because all opportunities are not equal. Uh, so we're focusing on is more on condensing services, uh, being great at what we're doing, and then you can flourish after that. Kind of restructuring, like I talked earlier today. Uh, we're focusing on various services, various um, uh, clientele, and then from there, start venturing uh, out more firms. You know, we honestly we were lucky because we were primarily doing commercial facilities, office spaces, things like that. So. Mostly owner occupied spaces too, so we're not really going after third party managed companies. Um, and I feel like that's, those are 
so basically, spaces that we were in, instead of people downsizing, they were adding day quarter service, increasing the effective service, doubling up staff in certain, in certain um, aspects, especially in the manufacturing sector, obviously a lot of more pivoting to um, providing you know, PPE of some place, shape, or form. So, you know, lucky for us, we were, we were pretty lucky. So, you know, we, we have some you know, senior centers, some medical facilities. Um, we don't really do any retail or um, restaurants. I've never, that's never really been vertical for us. I think in the past, our pricing model just doesn't work for that. Um, and so I just, you know, I just stayed away from that. And, you know, in this case, I happen to be lucky. But, you know, we, we have a, a mix of clients. So that, that also helps, you know what I mean? So, Okay, so now let's you know let's talk numbers, right? So let's let's talk about without you know again we don't have to reveal everything, right? Uh, but there's like there's there's simple formulas and there's simple categories of what you should account for in providing a quote in a bid and what's in, what's included, right? So first and foremost, like do you guys do you guys price hourly charge or do you do cents per square feet? Let's talk janitorial first. So. Like Mark, I know you're you're in bigger spaces, so yeah. I got a feeling you're probably cents per square feet. But like again, for the viewers that you know, I've got questions: How do I bid? How do I price? What's good? What's bad? Sure. Like let's so, try to break this down a little bit. Okay. So I think the first thing to understand is cents per square foot and number of hours can help you and hurt you in different situations. So if you have a very large facility, okay. Your cents per square foot is always going to be the way that you go. If you have a very, let's call it a 10,000 square foot or under facility, if you're quoting that facility at cents per square foot, you're never going to make any money. Because your cents per square foot is not going to equate to the number of hours you actually need to do that facility. One, one example I always throw out there is daycares. Oh, daycares are normally a 10,000 to 12,000 square foot footprint. It's so much work. But if you quote it anywhere less than eight to 10 hours a night, which they're gonna look at you and the price is probably not gonna be right for them. And for us, that's okay, because we don't want them. Yeah. You're never gonna make any money. Yeah. And you're just gonna get beat up over service requests. Okay, and cents per square feet, there's no, there's nothing in there for expectations. Now, right? I take a million square feet of, of school district, okay, and you're at you know ten cents a square foot. Well, now you got yeah. a month. Okay. So, what about you? So we do. Um, it's different because we're so project based, right? Post construction, uh, cleanup, uh, very detailed cleaning. So, kind of going off Mark's point is that, and I think we talked about this too, is uh, you really have to gauge your business and what exactly. It's almost like a time study, right? You got to gauge exactly how much square footage uh, your, your people are doing per hour. For us, for post construction, deep cleanings, whether it's uh, you know commercial, residential, you got to come up with that number to ensure an accurate quote, right? There's like you said, there's no perfect medium. I mean, formula, right? Formula. Yeah, right. So you kind of really have to find out what's good for you. Um, for us, again, project based, and then off that off that square footage, whatever that rate is, right, per square foot per hour, then we go. So you bring up a good point, and I'm sure you guys can attest to this. ISSA says that 5,000 square feet an hour is like a normal rate, right? No, is the average. It's, it's the, the, it's the average, right? That's what they're saying. That's what they're putting out there. But 
if you go into a daycare and you clean 5,000 square feet an hour, what are you going to be in a 10,000 10, square foot facility for two hours? And that's how, like, you, you know, know, you take a 3,000 square foot restaurant. Yeah. There's, there's no comparison. So you can't. That's why those are so. How, so how so does it compare to the, in the restaurant? Because I don't know how it works for the right. restaurant industry. How I mean, so I literally do hour, right? So okay. I, I, I stick an hour to it. I have, so I guess it's almost like a catch twenty two because, in the beginning, it's going to be tough for you. You're probably going to lose. In all honesty, you're going to lose in the first couple of restaurants because you've got to understand your. So you should figure it out. You figure it out now. Right. When we price restaurants or. You know, not daycare so much, but stuff that right. it's detail oriented and it's just a lot of foot traffic coming in. Mm -hmm. We we reference accounts all. That's like that one, ten thousand square feet. Okay, so you're They've got four bathrooms. Okay. We're benchmarking. Okay. So it's really a benchmark good way to, do it. to then truly understand if that team can do it. How do we train that team? We've got to train this team to do it, or else you're not going to be competitive. You're not going to win business, right? But I mean, Juan, you're a numbers guy, right? So it's like. Cents per square feet, though, also could be determined by our hourly rate. It goes both ways, right? Like, how do you get to a lump sum monthly service charge? Even if you're doing it cents per square feet, you, you still have an hourly rate that you still can attribute that to, right? So right. How, do you, how do you, I mean, you're doing a lot of luxury high-rise buildings, right, commercial properties. Do you even look at hourly? Or do you have a certain benchmark hourly rate you charge? Yeah, I mean, I, I think we're mostly... I'm always looking at production. That's really the, the, the biggest thing, right? So going back to daycare, right? Like daycare, it might be two thousand square feet, it might even be as low as a thousand, you know. So kinda like what Mark said, we're talking probably seven to ten hours, you know, for a ten thousand square foot facility. Um, I think the expectation of the customer comes into play big time too, yeah. because if a customer is picky versus not picky in the daycare, they're going to be throwing another hour. To, oh, oh, yeah. And, and yeah, and so that so that's why you know again I'm looking at production. I'm trying to see what does this customer want because there's a lot of daycares where you know the administration might say no, the teachers and the staff are responsible for taking care of toys, taking care of X amount of things, but then you might have another facility where the administration is like. No, you know, you handle everything, right? That's what we have you for. Right? That's what we have you for. And so, oh, that's two different, I mean, two yeah. different quotes, right? Yeah. So, um, so I would say, you know, I'd hate to say that, you know, there's not a cookie cutter way to do it, um, but there is, there is standards, right? There's standards like, like anything, right? So like Mark said, you know, you're, you're going to have standard for, you know, price per square foot. So, you know, you might have an office space that's 10 cents a square foot, 11 cents a square foot. Again, there's assumptions, right? That's assuming five days a week, you know, office space. And when you're looking at these numbers, you're usually talking about bigger spaces. You know, for those numbers to really come into play, you probably have to look at, you know, 40, 50,000 square feet and above. Anything under that, then those numbers start to get a little cloudy, right? Yeah. Um, and then you're all, obviously you have to look at your, you know, your, your the geography, right? So in Chicago, we're going to be at $15 an hour. We've got Cook County, so we have mandatory sick pay. We've got, you know, Obamacare. So we have all these additional things that add costs, right? So um, it's just, you know, it's a different ballpark versus, you know, I know a lot of states are still paying 9 bucks an hour, 9 yeah. 15 hours. So, you know, when we're talking about <coughs> hourly rate, they might look at us like we're crazy, but it's just, you know, our wages are 50% higher than theirs. Yeah. So plus we have more regulatory things to deal with like mandatory sick pay that other states or counties or whatever might not have so all those things come into place
digging further into costs. Like what, you know, this is a very long-winded question, right? But what, what do you, what are the, if you had to say your biggest bullet points, main takeaways on what's included in your costs, what, Mark, you know, give me one, Saul, give me one, Juan, give me one, and we could all together wrap up, but what are the things a small business owner starting into the business needs to know and account for in costs? I mean, I think, I think the, the easiest one is just your labor, you know? Everybody knows that 50 to 60% of this is labor, so you've gotta have your hours and, and your workloading right before you go into something. And, and don't be afraid to turn something down. That's what's mm -hmm. important, you know? If, some, if someone says they have a budget for X and you're over by X amounts, hey, hey this is what it's gonna take, and stand by your word, because you're either gonna, you're either gonna get the account and you're gonna learn why you needed that extra, or you're gonna walk away and you're still gonna know, but you're not gonna be putting money up to, to put So, I mean, you said 50 to 60, like do you guys have, like this is again, something that could vary between you being a five man employee company to a hundred employee company. What, is there a good range you could give up, give the audience on 55%, 60%, 62%? Is there a range you guys feel comfortable saying, you know, labor costs are? Of labor? Yeah. Of, of sales. Of, yeah. Oh, yeah. Let's say it's a $2,500 contract a month, right? 60% of that usually is going to go to labor. I mean, right? I think you could bet on something like that. Because, okay. yeah, I was going to say, I'm 60 to 65. It's really where yeah. I put my number in. What about you guys? I mean, for us on a, on a project basis, well, again, we're going project basis. With labor, it's roughly around that, usually 50, 60%. Mm -hmm. um, but then we got to put in, obviously, the fuel. Uh, that's involved, obviously supplies and so forth. There's so much more involved for us going out to these projects and so forth. And, okay. and you got to take into account too. I mean, this is more on the, on the market side, but there's always got to be that plus minus percentage where it might be an uptick, right? You might stay there a little longer and so forth. But yeah. usually around that 50, 60 percent is kind of where we're okay. at. Juan, does that sound? I mean, it's, it's, it's about right. Honestly, for us, it'll vary a little bit because if we have a really large account where we have 10 employees or something like that, obviously we squeeze that margin. So. Uh, so obviously we're going to have whatever more of that total price is going to be labor, right? So um, some of these bigger accounts, you, you have to squeeze your margins in order to win them. So, okay. um, I mean, on top of labor, though, so you said a few, right? Fuel. So project, that's a, it's a good, like, it's, you got janitorial and you got project, right? Project, you tend to make a little bit more margins on, pro, on, on special projects, right? But right. if it were janitorial, you know, other things you got to consist of. Like you guys, you guys, I'm sure you heard the word fringe costs. Right? Like adding FICA, adding workman's comp, adding health insurance. Well, it's cost of labor. I mean, you have labor, cost so of labor. labor so, and then on top of that, so I mean, your, your dry labor is what it is, and then you have cost of labor, which is taxes, insurance. Yeah. To employee hour costs. Yeah. 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 I mean, yeah. So you call it dry labor? That's, that's something new? Okay. No, not dry labor. I'm just saying. What you labor actually? itself, and then you have, on top of you know, yeah. The cost of this, the cost of this. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah. I like that. So, it's yeah. So it's like those are the things that I tend to see people forget about is, you know, throw the, what your FICA is going to be depending on the city, your yep. health insurance. If it's an employee, you know, one, you got a lot of people working full time on accounts. Like, you've got to account for these things. Yep. That's why it's like, if you're adding all these elements to the price you finally get to a point that you feel comfortable like, hey. Well, I mean, let's not forget about supplies and equipment and 
and what it takes to do the job too. And you know, a lot of people, they, that can vary. Okay. So, Juan, so that's a good one because I, I do want to see so, your guys take on supplies and equipment. Juan, so Juan gets huge accounts, right? So his, his, his supply cost, if he's doing a percentage, let's say he gets a million dollar account, right? And he, let's say his normal percentage that he's going to attribute to supplies is going to be, let's say 20%, right? For that million dollar account, he's probably not going to go with that 20%. Yeah. So the bigger the account is based on the labor, you really have to look at the percentage you're attributing to your equipment and supplies and, and trim that down. You really need to do your homework to see what is it actually going to take in the account to perform as opposed to here's my general percentage because, because you could win or lose the account that way. That's right. So, so what about you? So I like your project-based approach to like keep going with that as far as supplies and equipment is big on projects. I mean, you're bringing in a lot of things for some of So that's, you know, so we, it's like they say, uh, we talked about this earlier, is we focus really hard on what that gross profit is going to be, right? The cost of goods sold. What's that going to take to get the job done? Because we don't really, sometimes we tend to look at the net, you know, for the most part, but we tend to really gravitate towards that number. And then that kind of piece the story as far as what we want our net margin to be. So we definitely take into account supplies, percentages, obviously our, cost, our true cost uh, per hour for, for labor, and then any equipment, fuel, so forth. So we've got basically our program spreadsheets and what we do and how we calculate these numbers. Obviously everybody's um, got different tools, but for us that's really what's the cost? What's what's our cost, our cost going to be, mm -hmm. right? And that's how we build up. It's important to use, you know, it's important to use a spreadsheet. Yeah. You know, you, you need to track that stuff. I mean, we've talked about it before that you got to know where you where you stand so that you can plug a number in and say okay i got this is my labor this you know this is my burden of labor this is supplies equipment and everything else that goes along with it and and just plug and chug it's automatic you know so let's uh so what let's talk about so let's say it's a ten thousand square foot facility you've got one person working five hours a day but you know you need so what does it come what's the point that you start calculating the vacuum the mop bucket janitor cart or a floor scrubber like are you do we do you guys How many include, days a week? do you include everything into that supply equipment percentage because um, I like what you said and sometimes it could be 20 can be blown I know out sometimes I come in at 3% exactly you know so like what are you passing on all that cost to the client are you ever doing a, it's a part of operating a business no certainly for us is account based Right. Um, and the reason I say it's account based because you don't ever want to be in a situation where you lose 10% um, of your business, for example, and now you've got all this overhead and now you're potentially losing money as a business, right? So everything has to be, if an account goes, everything that's tied to that cost-wise goes. I agree with you. You know what okay. I mean? So it's got to roll up to it. You know, so for example, you know, um, you know, we just, one of the girls that works for with us is, you know, she's dropping off a bit, probably around right now for Cook County, right? So for that, I mean, I have a dedicated area, you know, area manager, dedicated account manager, dedicated, it's gonna have a dedicated projects team, everything. So all those people, management team, if, you know, for example, I don't have that account, well then- You wouldn't you know, have that team. I wouldn't have that team, yeah. right? So 
Um, and obviously, if we were to win it, obviously, I'd have to put that, same, put that yeah. together, right? It's, it's almost like a mini company. But in this case, just to give you know you guys a reference, is um, the current uh, company that has it, they're charging right around $2 million a year. Um, so we came in at $1.7 million. And that's the thing, right? It's like, you know, you have to have your pricing model. So, like, I know what my pricing should be, right? So my pricing on this account could probably be even tighter. But then again, they're coming in at $2 million, So why would I... You know, come in at say 1.5 because then the people reviewing it might say, "Well, you're way too low," and then they could throw my bid out, right? So, I, with that said, I'd say sometimes there's always two bids, right? There's two prices for an account. There's the price that you've determined from your benchmarking that it should be, and then there's a price that's going to take to win the account. You know, um, and, and you really have to have that in mind. For example, we have another account that we just won recently, where you know I, I was assigning I think it was six hours to the account and their budget really only allowed for about four and a half and so they said unless you can be here at this price you can't you know can't you can't win the business account. you know but I looked at it and I and so I was okay well do you have a current scope of work so they sent me a scope of work well their scope of work was very limited so I said okay well for that scope of work I could do for four yeah. I could do it in four and a half hours so I, I reworked my bid and I did it four and a half and, I, and we won the business we started on the first um, so you got to dissect the scope where it's, there's no general scope for everybody. So, you so could with be that more said, right? And with that said, right, there, that's why there really isn't a cookie-cutter price, because that was my price off of my standard production rates, off of everything that we know to be true. But the reality is that the current scope that they were getting was a lot more limited than what we were offering. Therefore, you know, I was able to rework my price and get to the price that they needed to be at. So that's why I say that there really is always two prices, is the price that you know it should be based off of your benchmarks and then the price that's going to take to win the account, right? Yeah. And sometimes that could be higher or lower, you know. So I'd say the best advice I can give someone is always find out what they're currently paying or what the current budget is or what yeah. their expectations are, right? I'd say 80% of the time they'll tell you, 20% of the time they'll tell you, to, you know, go away yeah. or they can't disclose or whatever. But 80% is a pretty good number. So do you guys, cause, so there's a, a question I always get to is, Rick, is there a standard? Is there a basis? Is there, is there something companies or people like us can come up with, which I know everybody probably has here, is a standard spreadsheet where you can plug in the square feet, plug in the days of the week, and get a, get a, get something that spits out. Here's an attempt or an average of what the price may be without even seeing the space or knowing the scope to get started. Like, do you guys, what do you guys feel about that approach? Will it ever get? I mean, autonomous where you could plug and play I think for me it's square footage right so I, I do have square footages so I'll say for a facility that's you know 50 thousand square feet and above mostly carpeted it's X you know whatever let's say 12 cents a square foot if it's under 20,000 square feet then it's 13 cents a square foot if it's under 10,000 square feet then it's 15 cents a square foot whatever right like yeah. it just but I, it, I also have to know whether it's carpeted or whether it's you know so the main things I need to know is Size, number of employees, floor type. So this, this that gives me my density levels. That gives me the floor type. That gives me the square footage. Number of employees I, gives you density. And I can, I can, I can pretty closely figure out a price for that facility over the phone. Okay. Just with that data. You know what I mean? So. Because I feel like it's that's that's where I want you know we got to think of you know technology for the future as far as we've got to get to a point where we can create those right. standards or else. 
you're going to get stuck and working then, in but the that, business. But that's the traditional office spaces. Right now, if I've got a facility that's educational, well, that's a different ballpark. You know, that there's a slightly different mm -hmm. price per square foot. That's so locations are again, right? So the medical facility is a little bit different. Daycares, I don't know because I don't deal with them. You know, I imagine that, that again, that production's got to be something between a thousand and two thousand square feet, yeah. right? So, um, but yeah, I, I can figure that out, right? But then again, from there, you still have to do your walkthrough. You have to figure out, you know, is what they're asking outside of your traditional scope of work, you know, so you have to figure that out, right? Like, so it's a good starting point to build some kind of standard with your yes. company. Because again, I, you know, we've all scaled and we're all growing, but we all got there because I would, you guys would all probably agree, you have help in pricing. You have help with bidding. Others are involved. It's not just us solely doing it. Where I think if you're going to grow and scale, which knowing your numbers helps you grow and grow and scale, you've got to create some kind of baseline as a company. I mean, it all it all starts with it all starts with square footage and density. That's it. Because once you plug those hours in, right, and you have let's say your fifty thousand square feet and you come up with whatever that calculates for you, once you get down to your bottom number, and let's say you're 50,000 square feet, so you're you know, 10,000 a month, let's say, you're gonna take your 10,000 a month divided by your 50,000 square feet, and that's your square foot price. So now, as you go up and down in hours, your square foot price is changing. Yeah. So it's all determinant on that square footage to start. Okay. You've gotta see the space, and you've gotta know the expectation. Okay. For project base, same thing, right? Standard uh, square square footage. Um, but post construction, you know, they might ask you for three phases, right? Two phases. Oh yeah. You know, I need a trash truck. Give me a fifty a cubic yard truck. I need about five of them and stuff. Like that. You know, so for us, it's great if it's just a, a white glove type, hey, dusting, fixing. I mean, uh, cleaning. It's a standard price. Obviously, if they want, you know, uh, trash removal uh, or any heavy other lifting at that point, that's how we. Right. Well, I think one point two cell right is. On post construction, well, people got to be understanding of change orders, right? They got to treat it like a trade where you know you're going to be requested to yeah. probably come back, do more, do more. So that all that price can't be an all-in. You got to have an asterisk to say if you call me back, you need back. to protect like, yourself. You got to absolutely. Protect yourself. You have to, and and at the same time, that's why it's very important to communicate with that client or contractors in this in this case is that there's got to be a hard stop at some point, right? You can't, you know, I'm not going to be changing yeah. orders. Yeah. Or it's got to convert to monthly cleaning. Exactly. Yeah. Something's got to happen. You want to hear it yeah. today, I'll come with exactly. exactly. So once you have that, that, and I think there, for our, because you do it as well, is that I think there's got to be more education because I think there's a lot of companies out there that might just go, all right, let's just go to this yeah. bid and that's it. I know when there's a lot of them. No, there's a lot. Right? There's and so the client, for us, obviously we'll lose. But, it, you know, for me, it's, I know exactly what's going to happen because we've been doing it for a while, yeah. right? And so I think a lot of that has got to happen. That's what I feel like. We, I feel like we throw them off when you say change orders. Like, oh, you're a cleaning company. Like, you guys don't do change exactly. orders. That's for plumbers and electricians. No, man. What a hard stop. We're a trade service too. We're one of the trades. We may be the last trade that comes in. But like, if you don't, you're. That's why. I post construction. It's, it's a competitive market. You'll bleed. Real yeah, you'll bleed. Man. You'll blush. Yeah. Oh, dude, I really want to know my stories. That's a bad stories. Um, so now let's. Let's start with the last piece of, of cost, overhead operating costs, right? As far as, this is a topic where if you are a mom and pop and you're five employees, six, seven, eight employees, yours is gonna be different than ours, right? Where, and then mine might be different than mine. Mine might be different than so on and so on. But I know when I first started, 
I just had this number of 10% in the beginning. I was like, oh man, where did it cost 10%, 10%? That's drastically changed, but what, what do you guys consider as far as overhead, some kind of a range of percentage? Do you guys have anything that you plug in? I know it could be account-based, right? But is there a percentage that the audience and the small business owner trying to get into the industry or grow should account for? Because again, this all, what does this do, guys? And I know, you know people might say, Rick, man, you guys are talking deep into numbers. This brings the bottom line up for our industry. If people start pricing the right way, the industry is going to reward. It's going to be rewarded for us. I think it's important to address indirect versus direct, right? So if you have, if, if you have like a beautiful big building and you spend all kinds of money on that building, but that's, that's not going to necessarily be tied directly to your jobs. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So it really depends on how, what you're figuring as direct, what you're figuring as indirect. So, what are you trying to say? I bought two nights in the office. Are you saying you got a nice <laughs> office? <laughs> cool. So, but, but you said it changed big time, right? Yeah. So like yeah. from the first office you were in to the office you're in now, you're not paying the same amount of money. Exactly. So the percentage changes based on how we spend. And I think as we're coming up, that's important. Yeah. You know, we could, we could go out and you know, you can spend money on whatever you want, but it is going to affect your company and the way that, that you operate on a regular basis. So yeah. if you keep your expenditures low and lean while you're trying to grow, then your overhead is gonna stay low and you could, like you have, re reinvested back in the company yeah. and reinvest in people and equipment and things like that. But if you're out there, you're buying the newest car, you're doing the new, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Well, yeah. then, your overhead's gonna skyrocket. Yeah, so, you know, I think we gotta give people something concrete, right? And so, you know, I would say the things that you have to account for primarily, right, are obviously your labor, you know, then from there you have your taxes. So you have to figure out specifically what taxes you have to pay for and what those rates are, right? So it's FICA, then you, you know, FUDA, SUDA, then you have, and then on your SUDA rate, which is your state unemployment tax rate, that's also gonna vary based on, you know, how many unemployment claims you have, right? So you have to manage that rate because, yeah. you know, someone, you know, you're, the, you know, one guy could be paying 2%, the other guy could be paying 10%. That's an 8% difference. And in many counts, that's your profit margin. Very true. So, you know, that guy could be profitable on the account that you would break even if you don't manage that the right way. So. You know, so then the other expense you have to manage is, you know, general liability. Obviously, you have to have an umbrella. Um, you don't have to, but when you work with bigger accounts, you yeah. definitely need it. And then you have your workman's comp. And the workman's comp is the same thing, right? I mean, that rate can vary between four upwards of 10, 12 to 15%, you know, same thing, right? Same same thing applies to SUDA. Unless you're managing that really tightly, you're gonna, you know, that could be the difference between you breaking even and the guy next to you making 10% yeah. or whatever, right? So those are the expenses you have to account for as it accounts to direct labor. Here, where we operate, we still have to, you know, we also have to account for the Cook County uh, sick pay policy. Um, if you have to cover health insurance because you're a full-timer, mm -hmm. uh, so ACA coverage or whatever else you offer. Um, 
And then if you're offering, you know, any vacation time, if you're offering, you know, five days, whatever it might be for vacation time, you have to account for that as well. And if you're offering 401k with match or whatever, so whatever other perks you're offering, that still gets tied into your labor, right? And to me, that still is direct labor because that helps you with retention. You know, so I see that as direct labor tied to the account. Why? Because at the end of the day, it is part of the total compensation for that given employee, right? Yeah. So, um, so I do those at, you know, on an account level and an employee level, right? So that's my direct labor cost, right? Um, then at the account, I'm looking at how much supervision am I going to need for this account, right? So am I going to need one employee, two employees, three employees? And so for every employee, I have to account for ID badges, uniforms, a set of equipment, so that's vacuum, trash can, whatever they're going to need, right? Because that all stays at the account. So if I have two employees, then I have to have two sets of those things, right? So it all depends on the amount of employees. So you have to account for that squeegee, you know, cleaning chemicals, obviously consumables, those, you know, the client pays for, right? So those are all the, the things you have to factor in. And if you're using, you know, route or something similar to route, all those numbers you can set as defaults already and they're always going to be there for you because those numbers are never going to change. Yeah. You know, I mean, unless your employment rate goes up or your workers' comp rate, then you go in and change it. But you can notify when that changes yeah. anyway. So, those are, I think, you know, for the audience, the main things you always have to account for. You know, direct supervision, I account for, okay, this account's going to require, you know, five hours every week of supervision, or, or if it's a bigger account, obviously, you know, every day someone's got to go in there, whatever, right? Like, you figure it out based on the account size. Uh, I got to say, Juan did his homework and came to the table with a lot of bullet points. Where, where, where are you guys at? What I think, <laughs> I think what Juan, I think what Juan no, brings to the table yeah. is really good because yeah. it ties into something that's bigger than this even, and that's your your monthly P and L. You have to look at a P and L for each account every month. There's that's there's a new labor. I never used to look oh, at it for account. You, you, every yeah. month. You have to be looking at a PL of every account that you have because as you grow and you get bigger, you have these smaller accounts that could be eating you they alive. Suck you, uh, suck yeah. you so it's very important that as you know, as you move up in the company and as your companies move up and, and as you're just starting out, you need to be in tune with what your numbers are and you need to look at those numbers every month. Yeah, and, and so going back to the account level. If in that account I'm going to put in an auto scrubber, I'm going to put in, you know, battery backpack, specialty equipment that's going to cost me a lot more than my traditional expenses, you know, then I account for that in there as well, right? So do you account for that on a, here's the total cost, divided by the amount, or the, the frequency of the contract? How, so, do, how yeah. does somebody put a $5,000 floor scrubber into a contract? So I usually divide it by two and a half years. Because um, usually you have about three year useful life, but then the other half a year is because it's going to be maintenance, batteries, whatever it might be, right? Okay. So I figure two and a half, you know. So if it's 10,000, then I'm adding, you know, 10, or if it's a $5,000 machine divided by two and a half. Okay. Um, so. And that's something small, but so so big where that matters. Yeah, but that goes that goes directly into the account, right? And, and so with and so with that said, you know, for example, like I've said before, I won't do a one-year agreement, exactly, because then I'll get sacked with that if they leave before that. And if you put the full, you go after the accounts. He says no to for one year. 
know, and, and that's okay because when you take it, they're, you're, you're gonna come in, you're gonna do deep clean for three months, I'll and then they're gonna, and, that, and then they're gonna, they're gonna go to the next guy, and you're gonna do all that work for nothing. True, true. So, that's why it's like one year yeah. contracts. Right. They sound great, but yeah. it's like, man, it's not really a commitment. Because yeah. then, that's why I hate the RFP process. It's like you're gonna go back over and yeah. over. Okay, that's every year. There's no consistency. Right? You got a bid. It just like, that's probably why we haven't gotten into it so much. But yeah, it's good to hear. It. And, and honestly, yeah. the, the big thing, the biggest thing for me that I found is that you know the people that the good accounts or the, the good relationships they actually want a longer term because yeah. they, they see want to do the they know that you're it's an investment to their facility. They're investing they're investing time into you. You're investing time back, and they want to see that right. And so you know they don't, they they want to make sure that you're not going to walk out. Even if you if you bid it badly, you're you know they want to make sure you're not just going to walk away, and that and that's the thing, right? Is you know you have to figure out a way to make it work. So you know, I think it's part it's part of the sales process. It's important to as an owner, as a salesperson, as a whatever your role is in the company. If you're selling an account and you're seeing that these people don't recognize that, that hey, we got some skin in the game too, might not be the right account. So one thing. Touching on this two-year contract, right? Is oh, I usually do. I, I usually try to do three. So two, yeah, two to three year yeah, contract. Depends right? on do you, the do you guys in the verbiage because this is so probably you know again, the audience should know this, right? Is do you have any kind of clause of in year two it will go up two and a half percent, three percent, four percent? Like, do you have the escalating percentage? Or, I mean, or, or, or are you giving them a good deal to get a two-year contract? Well, no, I mean, What's yeah. the give and take? Is there in today? I think I don't know about you're in the city. You can't do that. Yeah, you right. just you can't. You can't right, exactly. hold. Right. If you're holding firm, you can't. You, you can't. There has to be an escalator because minimum wage is going to go up. Everybody knows it. everything's going to go up. They know that. Yeah, right. They know that because you know, yeah. for example, it's been going up a dollar a year, but then in addition to that, it's still going to go up at the inflation rate. So you at least have to put in there, you know, an inflation adjustment. You know, and, and honestly, clients understand that small. Obviously, if you're trying to. You know, raise them ten percent. They're going to see. Yeah. You know, they're. So I mean, two and a half percent. Has to make sense, right? So, um, you know, so then, you know, so those are the direct costs that you want for the account, right? Um, you know, like I said, uniforms, badges, all that stuff, right? So you're not going to account for your office overhead, your marketing expenses, your sales, none of that. That stuff doesn't matter to that account, right? You can't rob from Peter to pay Paul. You know, like I'll give you an example. I mean, I, this year I probably spent easily a hundred thousand dollars in disinfecting equipment. You know, I don't associate that to any account because when that's when your personal job. That's just that's almost like that's your new service. That's a whole new business. Yeah. That, yeah, that's almost a whole new division. So right. like, you know, that I don't associate that to any account, right? So I can't account that as overhead. It's it just investment, sense. right? I mean, that's it's going to pay itself off. Yeah, correct. Exactly. Sure, you made more than that already. <laughs> exactly. Right. Exactly. You know? So you know, um, and so like Mark was saying, right? Like if you have you know all these luxuries or things that are unneeded, then you know that's affecting your overhead and ways that don't make sense, right? You want to do things that make sense and add value to the client. Right. And so now that we move into overhead, you know, well now once you're in overhead, you have to look at your marketing. You have to look at, you know, the cost of sales, the cost of putting those proposals, your office. What does it take to run that business that you're bringing in? Would you, exactly. So would your you your office, your accounting, your billing, all those things now, that becomes your overhead. So whatever that number is, you know, your vehicles, you know, for your, your projects teams and every all that stuff is now your overhead number that to me that's why I look at it that's not associated directly to the account right so you know like you, you might have a, a vice president or whatever right but so that's your overhead number and 
I like to look at it completely separate because for me, I need to keep that number as low as possible. I think it's our duty to keep those numbers as low as possible because that's how we add value to the client. You know, yeah. you could um, do different things for the client, and if your number's low, and then as you push, I mean, it's, it's just I, no. I did. I, I in all honesty, I've seen that effect. It's just a scale. I tried to pass it on to the client, and it, it wasn't. It was yeah. either it was you don't good. win it. It was not good, right? So yeah. it's like I know for me because the topic of people, right? I feel like people are our biggest assets, sure. right? Like we people want to talk about growth. You're, you're not growing if you're not the right people. But I, don't, I don't care how good you think you are, right? Like you need the right people in place. Now, and you always get the question of, well, when can I hire a supervisor? When can I hire somebody to do this, to do that? It, it comes with how profitable you are and how low and lean you can operate, right? Yeah, so we talked about, just jump in, because you guys are doing great with the big facilities. So on our end, we talked about this briefly, is we've brought on a platform called Divi. Yes. That's for that same reason is that you know we want to make sure that our overhead cost is very manageable right and uh, our operating cost as well so what this platform does is that you can create different budgets and you can put a cap so it's basically a line of credit and you can have virtual credit cards or credit cards to your managers setting budgets for each one if you're outsourcing any work you can set budgets for them as well whether it's hr accounting, whatever it is uh, so that way you know how it is sometimes these subscription models will jump 10% and you don't even know it, right? So 10% here, 5% there, 7% there, you know, is, is quite a bit of money for, for a company our size, yeah, yeah, so it counts. So now we've been able to kind of manage all this and now actually know where, you know, kind of like once you have your gross profit, okay, where is that overhead? What are, what are your operating expenses? And how can you make that, that net margin much bigger? So now setting those budgets where people can't over, yeah. overcharge or, or uh, or our guys swiping more where they're at the fuel pump has just created tremendous uh, changes for our, yeah. for our for our system. So, so we'll make we'll make sure we add that to the to the channel. But it's called Divi. It's called Divi. Yeah. So, I, so you guys, great points for us to manage that. We use that platform. So sure. about you got why you got it? You use on budgeting and expenses? No, I mean honestly, I, again, I, I look at everything at account level, and then beyond that, it's you know yeah. it's our overhead. And you just try to manage that total number. And I do review, like I'll review like what our ad spend is, I'll review our subscriptions, you know, like where, what subscriptions do I need, what do I, what ones can I save money on, or, you know, things like that, right? So, um, you know, but going back to the, the account level and, and, and the supply stuff that we're talking about, right, it's good to have a benchmark. See, I know the benchmark for cleaning chemicals is usually like 2% or something. 2-3% is, is the benchmark, but it, it varies, right? And so. And that's why you really have to look at, you know, everything like a bean counter, right? And so, you know, I had an account, for example, <laughs> where, you know, and, and so we mentioned this too, right? And we were just talking about this yesterday, actually, you know, where my four chemical cost was, I want to say about $400 a month. So it was pretty high because we're in there. Five, um, six days a week. We're in there, seven, that account specifically, we're doing seven days a week and we hit those floors several times a, a day. It's 24-7, basically. And so, um, one of the things I did is I put in a tenant's machine that uses the ECO water technology. So the water has a charge. Water. And There's no chemical. That's the chemical. Yeah. And so, now I cut out about $400 a month in cleaning solution, and it's greener. Yeah. So, you know, I'm helping the environment, and 
helping my, you know, helping the green environment and helping the green in my pockets. So that's, <laughs> right. so that's, that's one of those tips, right? Where people think, hey, you won the, you won the account. It may not be the price you wanted to win the account at. And now you've got the business, right? So now right. go back to the drawing board, get productive, Retune get a machine, it. get a scrubber, retune it, like fix your process. And that's, because and that's you won exactly the it, right? Like, you know, that's why I say production rate is very important. Key. And then Key. beyond that, again, there's always two prices. There's a price that your benchmark, and then there's a price that they're paying or that they need to be at or whatever, right? And that's why it's important to know what your competition is doing in your market. So finding out what they're currently paying. Um, because a lot of times it might be that maybe you need to fix your production rate. Yeah. Maybe you need to fix something in your, you know, it's not your price that's off. It's, maybe it's, it's what you're doing. Right? You train your staff. Exactly. So. You know, I, I would say the only time that that doesn't apply is, is if you're paying against a franchise. If you're paying against a franchise, always bid higher, but give them a real clean. You know, yeah. and that, that's one thing where I'd say it actually changes. I won't meet their price. Uh, I'll always go higher. But now you're selling the scope. Because now I know that if it's a franchise model, the, I mean, obviously you can tell walking in, but usually the clean is really bad. Yeah. Um, and so they're already expecting you, you know, to give them a, a higher price yeah. but give them a, you know give them true quitting right? so price, yeah. um i would say that's probably the only caveat to to what i said so to, to end this phenomenal discussion here right is the last bit or piece i think people should know about or get a good idea is markup net margin profit margin whatever you want to call these different variables right what what do you guys you know again it doesn't have to be an exact number but Give me a range of what you think, because everything's case by case per business, right? Again, based on overhead costs, based on many variables. What should people shoot for if they want to grow their business, right? Uh, what's a good profit margin percentage range? It varies, on you. Let's go. It varies by spot. it varies by account. It really okay. does because if you're going to bid school districts at thirty-five percent, you ain't going to win them. Doesn't matter. You ain't gonna win them. Okay. Now, if you're gonna take that same 35% and put it onto a project, yeah. you could you win, win it. That exactly. You could win it. It's so case by case. Yeah. So vertical by vertical, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, floor, you know, a carpet cleaning job might your percentage is gonna be higher. But let's talk. It depends how bad you want to win it, it too. That's true too. Yeah. Well, and that's why that's why I think people like to say people are underbidding, but. What's really an underbid if, if it's a mom and pop shop that has four employees, it, they're, they can price it lower than this. It's they, a, it, it's a, it's, it's I don't know. I don't know what your well, expenses are. It depends, right? If a mom and pop shop is underbidding you at a larger count, then you have an issue. Okay. And I say that because yeah, yeah, a mom that. and pop shop is not going to be able to produce at the same level that you are. So mm -hmm. if they're underbidding you, you have a production issue. That's how. That's, that's right. a good point. Meaning, well, because maybe. they don't, they they wouldn't maybe, necessarily yeah. know that maybe. big account. Exactly. For a bigger, for a bigger account, though. Yeah. You know your production rate on the big account, right? Where they're coming in to just price to win, but you should know that somewhat of the science behind it. It, right. de it depends. Right. I mean, think about how you started out no. in the Hummer, right? Give a shot, right? <laughs> Lake in the hills, <laughs> Crystal Lake, uh, every day. You were doing it because it was your sole business. Yeah. Would you bid something the same way now that you bid? Oh, right. I've got some accounts still from back then that we literally right. 
You don't make any money. Oh my God. But hold on, what was the average size of those accounts? 5,000, 6,000 square. See, but that's my point. They're still small. That's my point. In the bigger space, you know, you're not going to encounter that. Generally. We, we, I know we lost an account to like a mom and pop, huge facility. Really? <laughs> I mean, sometimes it just comes down to money. Well, no, it's interesting. Though, it comes down to what they can do it for less because it might be their only account or, you know, might be. Well, like, let's say, so let's, like let's throw some numbers out. Like, I'll tell you, like, our, we shoot for 20%. Okay. That's my, if I'm at 20 to 25, I, I can continue to grow this kid. Some I want to be at 30. Some are going at 10 or 15, right? But average, I'm about 20. Okay. Like, where would you guys be? I got. I know it's case by case, but what's a good average? I'd say 20 to 30. Okay. I mean, somewhere in there, but it, it depends on the job, you know? Project base, absolutely, 20, 30, 25, 30. We'll call you the project. Yeah. I mean, we're just, yeah. I, so I mean, I, I, don't, I don't have project the, man. yeah, I don't, you know, obviously big facilities, like you said, yeah. I mean, March going to be a little tighter, but. We, we, we try to be in that. Range. But just because it's a, just doesn't mean you can't go in at 10, 15 percent, right? And you, yeah, Coming sometimes you will, yeah, because exactly. there's other variables yeah. of why you it's came in. Big. It's a big, multi-site, like multi-square, like right. millions of yeah. square feet. Then, you're, then it's different. Multi-site okay. is a whole different scenario, man. Like, our overhead is really, I mean, compared to you, I'm sure you guys have a lot, obviously more going on. So our overhead's not as crazy as you guys. So that's why our margin probably yeah. we aim for bigger. So. And that's He's the, probably 40, 50. Well, and, but that's the thing, right? So it's like if, if you're going after, it's almost like you're setting up a separate entity, not a separate entity, right? But it's, it's being managed completely, right? Well, then you can go as low as 15% because it's going to be managed on its own, really, yeah. right? I think it's important to point out that markup and margin are two different things. Yes, please so, point that out. You know, if you're, if you're marking something up at 30%, your margin is probably only 20, 26. Yeah. What is it, 33.3 is 20, right, or 25%? Well, oh, 25%. Yeah. yeah. So that's a good point. The so markup is different than It's different. Margin. Yeah. It's different. All right. So let's wrap things up, right, as far as we've got some of the takeaways. We'll, we'll, we'll highlight some of them. Why you did a good job at kind of really just laying it all out for everybody, right? Uh, but thank you guys, right? It's good to be back. Yeah. Somewhat, be back. somewhat, right? It's good to be back. Uh, Look at the, scene. the scenery that we got here, guys. So let's do a cheers. cheers. We're, we're about done here, so let's go wrap up with another one. Cheers, cheers, cheers. Thank you, guys. I hope everybody enjoyed this episode. A uh, lot of nuggets to, to, to learn from. We'll be highlighting some of them. Um, make sure you subscribe to the channel. Uh, you know, check out the comments and the notes. We'll we'll give some feedback, like on Divi, what Sal was saying and. Highlight some of the other points. So again, till next time, thank you guys. I appreciate it. Cheers. Salute. Cheers. All right.